Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on, guys? Today we have a special guest, Roger Rojas. is a Florida-born global creative director based in California. After growing up in Miami, he moved to New York to pursue his bachelor's in business management at Iona College, graduated, and started making his passion full-time. His content is super memorable from startups to celebrities. Everyone is looking to work with Roger Rojas, the content CEO. In less than three years, He's worked with notable CEOs such as Dan Fleshman, Sidney Eckert, Grant Cardone, Charlie Walk, and many others. In the past 12 months, he's been selected to lead various international and domestic retreats as a creative director for high-performance lifestyle training and active escapes Barbados. He likes to shoot in a loose, fluid manner and always leave a project with a smile. California-based with Miami Edge and a New York hustle roger brings passion and personality to every shoot roger how are we doing today and thank you so much for having me i appreciate it i'm doing great yeah we're excited to have you on the clocked in podcast today so let's start out with where did where did uh the content ceo start uh this started off for me in uh, new york so i attended Iona College, which is a private Catholic school in New Rochelle, New York, about 35 minutes north of Manhattan. And during that time period, I was given a camera from a family friend where I started documenting everything from my fraternity to activities, to fundraisers at my school, uh, to later that transitioned into small local businesses in Westchester County. And little did I know that this kid from Miami would be in New York for four years during undergrad and an additional four post-grad leading up to eight. And that would allow me to, with my camera that I call my vessel, uh, to travel the world and meet such unique characters and individuals and then document whatever they need uh, for their company or personal brands and then like later social distribution. So. Yeah. And we'll dive into all of that a little bit later on. So with the camera, how did you, distinguish yourself from other because there's a lot of people with cameras especially in this day and age the iphone i can record everything on my iphone it's right it's easy what what were you doing a little differently i would just say uh, three things one thing is showing up consistently saying yes to every single project and making sure that i return it as quick as possible 
Um, so as you said, being a creative, especially now today, I don't know. I, I never believe in the word saturated. I think it's perspective. I just think you're asking the wrong people who need your service. That's my perspective on it. And truly, I think, how do you attain certain individuals? I think it's placing yourselves in the right room or asking the right people that you want to be surrounded by. And so with what I do, I'm no special. As you refer to you having an iPhone, you and I have both the same capabilities. Uh, what makes me separate from that, I believe, is aside from doing what I need to do, which is executing on the content side of things, is also showing up with personality and being a person and being normal and having conversations with the clients and making sure you do that over and over again. Uh, the consistency mixed with the creative, mixed with the personality makes anyone want to work with anyone, right? And so I believe those are factors that I could control and that I bring to the table. So making sure I do that at my best uh, as many times as I can over and over. Yeah, and that's huge. What Roger just said there, he stated the fact that we're all human. Regardless of who your client is, everyone just wants to have a conversation. And yeah. they want to be able to go back and forth with people. Right. And if you're working with them now and I can have a conversation, let's do it again. Even better. Yeah. So you start off doing small things, fraternities, small businesses. When did you start, quote unquote, leveling up a little bit? Uh, I would say my biggest moment of growth happened about 16 months ago where I tended. So another thing that I like to talk about is your, your circle or where do you spend most of your time to who do you spend your time with? Um, and for me, Aside from my immediate circle, I love attending conferences. I love placing myself in environments with people that think the same way, act the same way to a certain extent, and also have the same mindset with what they want out of life, which is more and higher things, right? And so I attended one in Tampa, Florida, known as Social X with a good friend of mine and also a client, Casey Adams, who's someone, a young, young entrepreneur who just has the same mindset with wanting more out of life and doing things that make them feel uncomfortable by asking questions to people that have done it over and over. And I was documenting him. He was speaking and to his right while prior to going on stage, there was a gentleman by the name of Dan Fleischman, um, who's a well-respected entrepreneur. He's the youngest person ever to have a publicly traded company and investor in over like 20 plus companies. Um, he currently has a social media agency that does about 60 million a year. They handle 60 million a year in influencer marketing the company that I'm working for now, uh, less than two months ago. So I've been out here in California working for him and doing that. But getting back to the point with when I met him, he didn't have his camera guy there at the time. Um, he slid me a sticky note asking me to document him, no editing, just to simply film him. I said, of course. I then go up, you know, while he speaks, I film him. And I thought to myself, how can I make a statement? You know, he, I'm sure he's had moments like this before. Where other camera people have done this. How do I separate myself? I immediately went upstairs into my hotel room, made a 60 second, uh, 59 second video that he could post onto his Instagram grid, got his contact from Casey and then sent it to him in less than an hour and a half of him getting off stage. And so aside from being hired just to film the content, I made sure I gave him something that I felt that would make him remember me. Little did I know it did. And it made such a statement that less than 48 hours later, he then puts me in touch with uh, Charlie Walk. Charlie Walk is a music executive icon. He's behind every major artist that you can think of from Post Malone to The Weeknd to Destiny's Child to Beyonce to John Mayer, Shakira's Hips Don't Lie. His, his list goes on and on. 
and he was shooting an online course. And Dan says to him, Hey, Charlie, this is the guy you're looking for. He's the guy for the job. Um, and then it just, it was like a continuous, again, relationship building where every single person that he put me in touch with, aside from the social currency of influence, um, they also had influence in their businesses where they've made prospective amount of money um, that's respectable and they have a certain amount of employees to do things that you know they need to be done. And so how I branded myself is the content CEOs, not more so to you know, toot my own horn of doing what I do because I don't believe I'm that special in what I do. I just believe in the way in which I do it and who I associate myself with makes it special, which I try to attach myself to CEOs. Um, because I believe, you know, those are rooms and people that I want to be having conversations with. And so having those conversations with those type of individuals allows me to learn quicker or learn more than the average person. So, yeah, and that's amazing. I love how you, if, if, with the people listening and the people that are going to see the video, what Roger did there was phenomenal. He saw the opportunity, which was Dan goes, hey, can you film me? And he had to have the wherewithal to know who Dan is at that moment. And then the quick turnaround of, oh, a lot of people usually take some time. They probably don't put in that extra effort. And that's great. Like, I love that Roger did that. So when you started getting parlayed, were you, at this point, were you even worried about money or you were just trying to get into the different rooms and get that exposure? Yeah, I, I don't, even still to this day, I think, I never thought about the dollar amount. I always thought about the relationships. So like I, my greatest currency is relationship building, I believe. And doing that over and over again for the right people that I wanted to associate myself with. And needless to say, yeah, obviously with as the clients grew, the money grew. But it was never, I never thought to myself, oh, I'm working with this individual and I can make X amount of money from them. Not once. And still to this day, not once do I think like that. I tell myself, who is this person? What are they doing? And how and where can I be of value? And obvious is content. And so that's where I believe for me, where I'm like the richest, which is like having the relationships with the people that I believe are change makers that are like really doing things in the world that make a difference or more so have influence even in their local community. And so I'm going to reference someone who I try to bring up as much as I can. And anytime I do a podcast or have even open a conversation with friends is my best friend, Frankie Dagg. And so he was my first ever client. He paid me a hundred bucks for three videos on Instagram, which at the time was only 15 seconds in 2016. And he believed in me before I believed in myself. And he consistently made sure to bring that confidence into me. And then by also how I referred to not being someone with your large attention, you know, I've worked with like a heavy cast of people where he's an influence in his local community. He's a local firefighter. So right then and there, that's something powerful. Uh, he's a fitness and nutrition coach. He changes people's lives with how they eat and how they feel. That's so powerful. And he's also a family man. He has influence with his own family, just being there for them in any way he can. And I find that more powerful than anything else. So yeah, of course, there's always the social hype of things, which I think are relatively relevant in the social media aspect of it, of being in the right rooms and being surrounded by certain people. Yes. But I also do believe, and for those listening or watching, that there's influence in the people around you. And it's to what extent or how do you want you to be known as with the people that you're with? 
And so Frankie's not someone who's on billboards. He's not someone, not yet. He's not someone who's in commercials. He's not someone who's in movies, not yet in any way, but he's someone who has a local influence with the people that he's around and he makes sure his presence is known, um, not on a, on a financial matter, more on a, on a personal level to change people's lives, which I find the most important thing. And so yeah. I consistently do that with my work. It's like the people that I work with, what are they doing? You know, like if I don't align with like how things are going then, then I just, maybe I'll work on one project and then I later realize that's not what I do, but I try to right off the bat, if it doesn't make sense for me, then I'll say no. Um, and then typically again, as my relationships grow, everything else continues to grow. So it's just managing all of it. Yeah. And that's great with, uh, with Edwards consulting, my firm, we focus on mental health, physical health, community service, philanthropy, family, friends, and spirituality. And it sounds like your best friend does, all of those and that's what makes a really good person and what allows them to want to interact with other people and they really make the world go around especially during this chaotic time right so what when you were going into that room in tampa to record casey yeah were you still like how long were you on this mindset of i gotta get in different rooms i gotta get exposure to these people i gotta see these people yeah so that was never so it's important to know that so i was born and raised in miami and then i attended a private catholic school in new york and so my mindset going into college uh, i was one of five and i was the fourth out of the five and the first one to leave the state to like go to school outside of florida and my mindset going into college was I'm already taking this massive leap of faith to come here. And I knew two people in New York at the time, aside from my aunt and uncle, but more so relationship with my college. I knew two people who had priorly attended my high school. And I told myself I need my presence to be known and not just physically like name of even after I graduate. And it's not out of like ego. It was just more so pride in my family being like, hey, like I'm showing up to New York. And I'm going to leave it all out there. And I made a list of things to do throughout college that I wanted to achieve to make sure that I felt strong and good about it, knowing when I went through the doors in May of 2016, graduated and received a diploma, I was happy about what I was able to do. And so I guess right off the bat, that was kind of my mentality um, from clubs, activities. Uh, I, I swear to you, you name it throughout college. And I I just did it. And, and, and the, the funniest thing I think I could say I did is I was the mascot for a basketball one, one game. Like I just wanted to do things that I found interesting. And I told myself, why not? And so when it came to relationship building, I was doing that throughout college. And I think Frankie furthered my eyes on placing myself in environments with people that I thought we couldn't ever talk to. Right. Like thinking of an author of a book or seeing someone online and thinking to yourself, how will I have this face-to-face -face conversation? And I later learned is by spending the money to then learn from them in certain circles or opportunities. And in 2016, I think now they're, well, prior to COVID, um, there's masterminds, retreats, things happening left and right. I think more so than in 2016, where it wasn't as common for an entrepreneur to host a conference. Like they, it's been going on for decades but I think for me and my social attention of the people I was paying attention to, it wasn't happen. It wasn't happening as frequently. And so we were t attending them really him pushing me, Hey, come with me. Hey, come with me. Check this out. Have you heard of this guy? Let's go see this guy. And so it was that culmination of like 
going over and over and over. And I just remember there was at one point I had a friend of mine that was just like, dude, what, how many conferences do you need to go to, to like do something? And it wasn't like, they didn't know, but it wasn't about me going there to get motivated. It wasn't about that. It was more so just meeting people. I just wanted to meet people. I didn't, I wasn't going there because I felt lost or I wasn't going there because I didn't feel motivated. I was going there. My intention was networking. And so everyone goes in there with a different intention and, and things that they're looking for. Um, and for me, it was just to, to grow my network. Yeah. And there's two things. The first thing regarding the conferences, there's so many people that go, I'm not going to like that conference. I went to it. Nothing happened. Nothing right. happened because you didn't apply yourself and go in with an objective of, Hey, I want to go meet people or, Hey, I want to try to solve this problem. Whatever that is, you got to go there to realize what's going on and have an objective and a plan when you go in. Second of all, what were some of these activities you had on your list for college? Uh, be a president of a club. Um, this is a great story. So I actually, uh, it's a defeat and then also like pivoting. So I ran, I, I didn't want to do anything but to be, be the president of my fraternity. And so I went in, my senior ran and I lost. And then I told myself, I still had that on my checklist. And my major was business management. And at the time there was no business management club. And so I said to myself, hey, you know, I know the president of the school, just, you know, the academic like student, you know. So I said, I approached them and I said, I met with them and then the secretary for the school. And I said, what's the process behind uh, creating a club or, or uh, reinstating them? Because I'm sure there's been a management club in the past. Like, yeah, the last time it was around was in the late 90s. Um, so you just pay a fee. Um, you create a board around you, you know, president, vice president, secretary, treasurer. You need to have at least two members. Um, and then you coordinate to have a community service event in both semesters. I said, really? Okay. Um, they had me, they gave, they assisted with the process on creating, there were certain documents that I needed to provide to the school that I had no idea about. Um, they helped me with that process. I called one of my friends who also was looking to, you know, kind of build up his resume. I said, yo, do you want to be vice president of my club? And he said, what club? So the management club, he's a major as well because we had class together. He said, sure. Boom, there is my vice president, called another friend. Do you want to be treasurer? Done. Secretary. Had two other friends sign up. Soon before you know it, I was the president of the management club in less than uh, two weeks, give or take. I had to attend a certain amount of uh, also meetings the school would hold. But that's a perfect example of, you know, I didn't, it didn't plan out the way I wanted, but I still got it done through another route. And... Yeah, there, there were so many things. Like I, I wanted to write an article in our local newspaper. I did that. Uh, I wanted to go on a mission trip. I got selected. I got selected to go on one, and then I told myself I wanted to lead one. So then my senior year, I was selected to co-lead one to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, with Habitat for Humanity. So we, during my spring break, my senior year, I spent time building homes in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And yeah, I, I kind of. Uh, yeah, there, there's so much win, you know, win an intramurals championship. You know, I, I, I lost in basketball, but I won in volleyball. Uh, and I think that the, the consistency with all this, someone listening to this is like, this is great, man. That's good for you. Is that I was just intentional with what I wanted to achieve. Um, and then if things didn't work out the way they did, which is normal, um, even though I would like them to do work out the way I had planned. Um, you find an alternate route and you still just get it done. So I did that over and over again. And my biggest one actually that throughout my college career was to have job opportunities lined up prior to graduating. 
Um, so taking that leap of faith coming to New York, I knew there was like that family pressure of like, hey, like you're graduated, what are you doing next? And I have a big family. My dad's one of six. I have two uncles, three aunts, like a bunch of first cousins. And uh, I have a lot of pride in my family. And I wanted everyone to, you know, attend my graduation, which they did. And of course, I knew every, you know, parent, aunt and uncle would be like, what are you doing next? And so I had three job opportunities lined up prior to graduation. And I took the one that everyone least expected, which is betting on myself and helping out my, my friend at the time, who later turned into my best friend, Frankie Dagg. Uh, who co-owned a fitness facility in Westchester County to help out with marketing. And I tell you this, and I mean this with complete honesty and truth, if you would have told me that four years later you would be moving to San Diego, California to work for who I consider one of the top entrepreneurs in the world with how market marketing and creative, I would have called you crazy. I would have told you you were nuts. And I believe those doors open time and time again because of me saying yes, showing up and just putting in the work, just point blank period. You know, when you do that over and over again, you build confidence and then you start to have the right conversations with the right people and you set intentions on that. Yeah. And I think that's great how you're so intentional with what you're doing and how you do different activities and you're constantly open to new activities and you're jumping in feet first, no holding, like you're going all in, which is what you have to do. Um, Throughout right now with coronavirus, there's so many individuals that are sitting there scared, not sure what to do. Not people that are just going to pick up and move because they met an entrepreneur and we're starting to do work with them, which is why it's a great testament to what you're doing, how you keep taking those opportunities and jumping at them. So how do you know when an opportunity is among you and how do you know the right people what what's kind of your filter on the people on finding the right people? Cause you go to these conferences, you meet so many people. There's a lot that have a facade. They might have the nice watch, the nice car, but they might not yeah. be the best. How do you filter that? Um, so for me, that's a great question. So for me, I, I, I'm very lucky where, so I grew up middle-class family. And so I, I got, especially growing up in Miami, I got to see a lot of money, right? And I later just just don't care for that. I I really don't. I I do believe and understand that money is a form of currency that we have that we need by. And there's certain, excuse me, there's certain individuals that uh, like to showcase that they have money. Um, And and that's okay. And that's fine. Uh, But for me, those are kind of like traits that I kind of stay away from. So the the showboater, someone that, you know, uh, it's just, kind of always like, look at me, look at me. Uh, I find more context in the conversation that I have with the person, um, who they are and how they interact with others. I find to be my form of currency of that things that I love and pay attention to. Um, so when you are attending these type of conferences, I simply, you know, no matter who it is, I try to find how can I relate to that individual? Because even though today they're not maybe a conversation, maybe a week from now, maybe tomorrow, Maybe two years from now, there may be a time where you meet or see that person again. Um, the conversation has been changed due to what may have happened in your life or in their life. And so I'm, I'm never that intentional with thinking to myself, I need to meet 10 people. I never tell myself that. Uh, what I do tell myself is if I have an opportunity to have a conversation with them, I see what they're about and I see you know, what they have going on in their life. And in any way or shape or form, I could be of value to them. Uh, typically, there is always value because of what I do in content could be applied to anyone. 
Um, and then I love the idea of on my contact list, anytime I go into a new city, so I have an iPhone and it goes first name, last name, company name. And so for company name, I always put where I met them and then the city that they live in. So when I'm ever in that city, I can't remember their name. Um, I put in the city. And so I immediately see my list of contacts of people that I can connect with again. Um, and then I'm also through my prior point of saying where I met them, I remind them where we met. And so if I'm able to see them in person or see how they're doing or what's going on, great. If not, I still reached out and I extended that arm. Um, so for me, that's where I find the most value. It's not in the moment of saying, hey, you know, what do you do? How, how can I help you today? I tell myself, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. Um, if I could help you today, great. If I can't, then, you know, I'd love to you know, further our conversations when the time is right. Yeah, and have a long-term view on things. Yeah. So many people are so quick to go, Roger, how can you provide me value right now? And it's like, I'm not sure what I'm doing right now. I need to figure that out. I need to take. I think it's also being intentional, right? So I think if you were to ask me that question, I wouldn't respond that way, but I I would say more so the person is you have to know what you're doing. Like you, if you get asked that, so this is a great lesson. When I first started doing content creation, I didn't know. And you hear that almost like that, that ruling of acceptance of not knowing is okay. Yes. To a certain extent, And it's knowing that you have to know what you're trying to achieve because there's this metaphor I love using is you can jump on a treadmill and run 20 miles per hour for 30 minutes and end up running five, 10 miles. But if you get off that treadmill and you stop running, you're still in the same place. And that's what people sometimes do when it comes to setting goals and not intentionally knowing where to take the next step is that they're telling themselves, hey, I want to run 10, 20 miles, and they stay in the same place, and they're having the same conversations, asking the same questions, or not intentionally saying the right things. And then the moment they step off the treadmill, they're like, I've done all these things, but I haven't met the right people, and I haven't done as many projects as I thought I wanted to do. So it's like telling yourself, being more intentional by also asking the right questions to then understand who you are and what you're doing. So there's a big element there where you need to understand who you are and what you yeah. want to do and where you find satisfaction from. And that comes with the cultivation of just work, right? Like, yeah. No, that's okay. But it's like, just, just do something and then you're able to check off the list and be like, all right, I don't want to do that. So when I was in college, I went into business. I knew I wanted business, but I didn't know what. There's accounting, there's finance, there's marketing, there's management. I just didn't know what. The first year of my summer, I had an accounting internship. It was not my thing. I tried it. Did not like it. X, no accounting. The following summer, uh, a very good friend of mine, father owned a car dealership. So I got like the finance side of things and I saw like the business side of things. I saw I liked human interaction. So I'm sorry, I do- I had a double job my first summer, an accounting internship and I worked at a retail store, All Saints. And so I did the retail because I love the human interaction. And then I did the accounting just to see if I liked accounting and I did not. The following summer I did finance did not like that either. And then I told myself, oh, there's only two more left, marketing and management. I love the management of people. And I love the idea of marketing a product or a program, but I just didn't know how. And then that following summer, I had a marketing internship with Gatorade. And it was that, that was my trigger point. It took me a while. It took me three years to be like, this is what I want. But it was through trial and error that I figured that out. And it was simultaneously always doing things. Like my junior year, I never talk about this, but I was a full-time student. I waited, I was a waiter Tuesdays and Thursdays, 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I was babysitting. And then in all those evenings, I would pick two to three days out of the week. I would go into the admissions office and call people that who had been accepted to Iona because I'm bilingual. And they would give me Spanish speakers so I could translate to them and see if they had any questions. And so I did all that because I was unsure of what I wanted. And it was like, no one told me what to do. It was like, hey, you have all these opportunities. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it all. And then I'm going to figure out what I like and what I don't like versus leaving it up to maybe or what if. I never want to ever tell myself that what if rather than I did, didn't like it or did like it or this is what I'm going to take from it. And this is what I could apply to the next thing. Especially, I, that's great because especially with college students, you are you can basically go up to anyone and say, hey, can I just talk to you? Can I understand what you do? Can I try out what you do? Can I shadow you for a day? Everyone's working at home. They don't have to do a commute. It's even easier to get connected with these people. Right. And for you to go out and just try the, all these activities, it's great. It's perfect. You learn when you're a little kid, everyone does it for sports. They'll do lacrosse. They'll do football. They'll do soccer. They'll do baseball. They'll do everything. When right. it comes to the job world, they go, yeah, I did this, and this is going to be my career. And you're like, life doesn't work like that. You have to try yeah. different things out. You have to understand what's going on. And that's why I'm here with the podcast now, because I get to talk to so many different people get to meet people. And then what do you know? I get now me and Roger are connected. I get, I get to know your story. I get to know about content creation. Yeah. So, um, next, what, what are you doing for these people with content creation? How, how does that work? How does that side work? So you'll go Um, in, someone, Dan hires you for you a weekend or a day. Yeah, or- yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so uh, it's really all the conversations that we had before that I know prior to showing up what I'm there to do or execute on is when it comes to content, it could be done in many different facets um, and depending what the context is. So an example is um, a creative director for a fitness retreat, international fitness retreat in Barbados. And so it's a week of just workouts, right? So I have the conversation with them before like, hey, what's the game plan? I'm going to spend these seven days here. What do you want out of me to then show the world after what, uh, what you guys experience? And we, we speak about deliverables is what I call them. Saying we need one YouTube video. We need X amount of Instagram videos, photos, X amount of stories that come out of this, you know, any testimonials, things like that. So we have all the content conversations prior to showing up. Um, so then there's a clear understanding of why I'm there and what they need from me. So by the time it's over, um, there's no if, ands, or buts. And I think that's a, a great lesson that I learned as a creator where my personal relationships turned into business, but you can't ever confuse the two. And you have to set a standard or guidelines as a creator of how you do business. And so what I mean by that is someone approaches me as you were saying, hey, I have, let's just say this business of, it's a shop, uh, you know, I'm going to use context Dan's opening up a card shop for sports cards. I have the sports cards shop up and I want to make a one minute intro video. And I said, great. What else? Oh, I would like some photos. Awesome. Oh, I would also love to document my employees. So they're talking to you about all this stuff. You're taking notes on it. What you then do is write an email to the client, reminding them of their deliverables of what they requested to see if there was anything you missed to remove any miscommunication and to be on the same page. So on the day that you're told to be there, you execute on what is needed. And then, of course, you also have the, the conversation of compensation for this prior to doing anything. And you both hash it out, contract, sign. We're both in agreement. Everything's on paper. Everything's through email. So there's no miscommunication. They 
both parties understand what's going on and then you go through what needs to be done. Yeah. And I think that's huge. What you just said right there, you can't be, a lot of people are scared of contracts. You got to embrace the contract because that actually gives you the expectations of what you're going to hop into because you don't want to go in there. And then he goes, yeah, I wanted three YouTube videos. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we talked about this on the email and now there's a paper trail. Right. It, it controls expectations. Yep. When you're doing this with people, do you do the hosting as well, or do they handle that, or does where? Yeah, is if you're if you're asking regarding my services, yeah, yeah. So there's a range that revolve from content creation um, to management, um, and then those are the two separate things. And then if there are th- aren't things that I can't achieve that they're wanted, you know, through to my network of creatives, I try to introduce them to. So yeah, so. Again, these are all conversations I have prior with the client, um, the content side of it, uh, creating the content, and then what I later call the distribution or management of social media accounts. And when you were building your business, how did you establish this? Basically, how did you establish your different lines and what you do and how you how it all works? Error. What? Trial and error. Yeah. And, and just uh, knowing what, what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do and the things that I didn't want to do. Um, I think a great example of that, something I always held back on. So what a company, aside from the content side of things, if they're a brick and mortar, they need conversions, right? They need money coming in. So the marketing, the photos and videos are cool, but the only thing that'll keep you there is if you're converting with Facebook ads. That's something I always avoided. I just didn't. I would listen to it and I would learn it, but I, I just wasn't into it. I don't know. I just, that was something I thought. And then I told myself, wake up. There's someone there out there that only does Facebook ads and you just do content, partner with them on something, see how it works. And I did that. And so I found a friend of mine who just does Facebook ads. He doesn't do, he, he does do content, but he, he's like, he just does Facebook ads for me. And so when it comes to with clients, if they need that, I say offer that service. Obviously, you come to the conversation with him. What's his price point? What's my price point? And then deliver it to the client. So both of us are in agreement of what we're making. And then when it comes to those meetings, I'm like, yeah, hold on. JC, this person's online. Take over. Boom. So I'm not worrying about that. And so there are services that, you know, as I've been growing, have been growing for me from like management to content to Facebook ads. Um, something I'm getting into now is finding an animator. So I want have animation a part of my, my content. Um, and so just figuring those things out and you can't do everything. Um, being a media agency, yeah, you could offer services. I'm not a one man team. So I do have contractors. So right now I'm in the middle of building out contractors. I'm in San Diego, but I spend a good amount of time in Los Angeles, which is about two hours North and I'm from Miami. And then I also have relationships in New York. So it's having these contracted workers in these three major cities that I spend the most time in and then being able to delegate them to get the work that needs to be done. Yeah, and that, that's the best part because you have to build the relationships and then you foster them and then keep yep. them going along. Now, when you go into partnerships, where because that's usually a big jump for a lot of people. A lot of people are like, yeah. I want control as the entrepreneur, yeah. as the CEO. How do you make yeah. that – how do you build, how do you trust them? How do you yeah, know? Well I, think, well, I think that's ego when there's entrepreneur. And that's something I've recently let go uh, more than ever, where it's like trusting in someone else to do something. Uh, but I also think as a leader, you need to have the right 
protocols or systems in place for them to follow. So if you want to then extend your arm to someone else to further you, to go somewhere else, to move forward, and to not focus in on an area that you don't believe that you could, you're at 100%, you need to be the leader to outline guidelines or expectations on what needs to be done or how it's done. And so if you tell me, yeah, but I don't know, I've never done it before, that's just you being lazy because there's so many outlets and so many resources that we have at our fingertips, let it be on our phone or our laptop, that you could Google or YouTube it. And so it's not to know it all, but it's to have a general understanding of it, to have your, what I call your pulse on it, and then to then delegate it to an individual that that becomes their main thing and only thing. And you referred to it earlier, contracts. Let it be your mom, let it be your dad. Dan says it best. You make a contract with them. It doesn't matter because it's a business. And if you take your business seriously, you need to have expectation outlines and contracts all written out. Um, because unfortunately, when things involve money, people can get greedy. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of things, being the nice guy um, of being, you know, just not taking advantage of in any, in any facet. Yeah. Actually, as soon as I saw Dan do that post about having contracts with everyone, I was hesitant about it. I sent out three that day because I was like, and what do you know? The operation is much better because there are a couple key differences and you get to close that gap. So with you, Roger, what, what are some of the, the cooler experiences that you've gotten to shoot um, in your couple um, of years? Yeah, I would say, so I'm very lucky with being on the content side of things and saying yes to so many different projects. I, I've experienced so many different lifestyles and individuals. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, one thing that I, I had, a, it, was a, it was an amazing time spent is when I spent a week at Barbados in the island of Barbados. So and one of my good friends, uh, Evan Betts, he's a celebrity trainer in New York City, model and a group fitness instructor. And so he then was selected to lead this retreat. And I, I want to talk about this because this is talking about, you know, your resources around you versus thinking that I need to reach out to someone I don't know. He then gets selected to be this fitness trainer for this retreat. He posted on social media and I sent him a simple DM saying, I know you need a camera guy. <laughs> Joking around, but yet being intentional with how cool would that be to then travel to an island and document a week of workouts, you know, with a group of people. And so he says to me, he's like, I know, he's like, I, I think they have someone already, but let me ask. So then I then get put into a, a group chat. I can't remember if it was texts or DMs or email, but he, with the owner of the retreat. And then she later responds saying, Evan, thank you so much for reaching out. Our creative director actually is getting married that week. And we were going to put a post out tomorrow looking for someone. So Roger, if you don't mind sending me your portfolio or any of your past work to get, a, to get an understanding if you're the right fit. And so then, yeah, through that, I get, I get hired and I spend a week in Barbados documenting, you know, the island was beautiful. I had a personal, a great personal experience and also a great work experience. Um, that's one. Another one is through my other clients, Brian Mazza. He also leads a fitness retreat every quarter. Um, and these are just with like alpha A mentality people. They work out twice a week, like absolute animals. It was through his last retreat in Los Angeles back in February that I had one of my most viral videos be placed all throughout the media, which was they went through a Navy SEALs workout and I shot behind the scenes on my iPhone and ended up on SportsCenter, House of Highlights, all these major media outlets, um, which was very cool. 
that was a great experience. Uh, I touched on two back-to-back fitness ones. Uh, another one, I'm trying to think, entrepreneurial too. Um, I spent, oh, this is cool. I spent a day through uh, friends that reached out to me. I spent a day with the quarterback of the Kansas City Chief, Patrick Mahomes, uh, about a year and a half ago when he won MVP. Um, and then at, when he was taking the award at, in Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, that was cool. Um, and then I've also had the experience of through a sports agency uh, that they would prepare these young college athletes to go into the NBA. And nine, it typically it ranges between a group of like six to 10. Um, and out of those 10, four or five of them were always top 10 draft picks. Um, and it was in the basketball world. So that was really cool because I love basketball. So I got to meet like these young uh, college players who were then being pros in a short period of time. Um, so that, that was a great experience. And then really just, uh, damn, I, I'm going on deep reflection here. Uh, just, uh, you know, the relate, you know, shooting the events are one thing and me being, being able to be a part of that. Uh, but the thing that I love most is the relationships that I make with the people. I, I genuinely believe that life is not meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived with a group of people that, you feel empower you inspire you in some form or another and that's where i think i win and that's where i think i'm so lucky is that the people that i get to document are good people and by good people i mean good human beings with good intentions and always wanting to help others and ultimately to financially socially have attention that's cool but that doesn't that doesn't motivate me like going to a big house or seeing all the cars like it's cool but I'm not thinking to myself at one way or another, like, I want that car. I want this house. I think to myself, like, what did they do to get here? How did they do it? Like, those are the questions that I ask myself. And then I think to myself, they're right in front of me and I ask them. So that's where I think I win. I mean that when I'm shooting with certain characters and I have alone time with them, I'm in between Uber rides. We're walking, waiting for a meeting. We're about to walk in and I'm thinking of something. I'll ask them. And I don't hold back in those moments. Yeah, exactly. And that's the coolest thing because when you get people off the camera, then you get to actually see who they really are and what that's like. Well, nowadays, most, most like, it's, you can't hide. Uh, Gary, Vaynerchuk, Gary Vaynerchuk says it best. You can't hide. You really can't because of social media and the way people are watching. Yeah. Um, if you're not you, then who are you? Right. And you, you need to be you because everyone has a camera now. Everyone documents everyone has a voice in some way or another and these people yeah i guess there's a certain limelight or a vision of how you see them through what they put out but the the basis is they're all people and the basis is that they you know everyone's focused on doing that one thing that they're known for right and for me i'm lucky enough to be in those moments of you know i I refer to uber rides or waiting for you're walking into meetings to ask these personal questions and uh I think that's the greatest thing with what I do is that I'm able to show people a view or almost like a telescope view on what's going on in their lives. And then I'm able to broadcast that or put that out to everyone. Like that's, that's my personal high. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really cool how you took content creation, which can be a very siloed activity because you're the guy behind the camera and you made it intertwined with, I get my human connection because now I'm in the rooms that I want to be in. Like, for example, I saw that you were, Dan had, uh, what's it called? A hundred million dollar mastermind. Yeah. That, and, that, yeah. That's sorry. I can't believe I didn't reference that. 
that was a crazy weekend. I'm so dang. I can't believe I didn't reference that. Sorry. That was an insane weekend. That, well, explain to people what it is. Cause I, I know it because I watch him and I'm very right. interested in what he does, but wh- who, some of these names there were absolutely the top yeah, of the top. It was so, uh, Dan Fleischman, um, a clever investor and, uh, Joe Marion, uh, united to create what is known as the hundred million dollar mastermind. And so this is, it's a mastermind group of a hundred individuals who each have paid a hundred thousand dollars to be a part of this group. And so the cast of educators are about, I, I I'm butchering the number, but anywhere between 25 to 30 uh, educators. And these are people with qualifications to be an educator is that they've made, they've spent a hundred million in revenue. They, or they spent a hundred million in ads. They've made over a hundred million or they've been seen over a hundred million times. And so the, the people that are educators are the top of the top from every industry that you can think of. Um, from religious to financial to e-commerce to marketing, everything, everything. And he united these powerhouses um, in one weekend. So they meet, they're supposed to meet every quarter, every other quarter due to COVID. They couldn't meet to the last one. So this was in November of 2019. And yeah, it was a three-day weekend of masterminding and fun. And so each day was different. The first day, the first night, Friday night, we met in a Beverly Hills mansion that, you know, had everyone come together. Each person was introduced by the commentator. I'm, I'm, I can't remember his name, but he's the, he's the famous commentator. That's I know who you're talking about. Um, you know, that introduces every major boxing fight. So they brought him in to do that. They then fly in Mark Wahlberg for, from London in the middle of a movie to then do a Q&A in front of everyone. Uh, the next day, they rent out this place called the Porsche Design Experience here in Los Angeles. So it's essentially like what Tesla does. You can create a custom car or a Porsche. No, they do it virtually. They do it in person there. And then they have various cars in the back with professional drivers that then test drive each car in the passenger seat. They rented out this whole thing. So then if you wanted to jump in a Porsche and be in a professional with a professional driver, you could do that. Or you could have been playing basketball with Dennis Rodman, Baron Davis, Matt Barnes, these other basketball characters. Um, there's so many, there's so many basketball guys there and playing basketball with them. And then once that was done, they came inside to listen to various speakers that ranged from Magic Johnson to um, Chris Jenner, to Amanda Cerny to, it, it was just so powerful, you know, to hear those speakers. And then, um, and then Saturday, or yeah, I was like, I butchered that it was Sunday, but Saturday, he's, uh, they, we spent the day at Dan Bilzerian's home. And so he rented out his whole house to then uh, hear most of the speakers come on stage that range from like Jordan Belfort to uh, the gentleman who leads the, a TV show, an entrepreneurship TV show, I can't, go, can't remember his name. But then we go upstairs in the evening for poker night. It was a charity poker. So Dan made a bunch of money with, uh, poker and he has a background in poker and so but he's all about giving back this wasn't about making money uh, at all and so he they donated x amount of money that evening and so the host of that was nick cannon and then or no nick cannon was the dj the host was chris tucker and then we had a surprise appearance by tyga that performed in the middle of all of this 
So yeah, that was quite the weekend. Aside from the people attending and aside from the people that were there, he had a various list of A-list people show up. And yeah, that's probably, that's, I can't believe I didn't mean that, but that weekend was, it was pretty insane. Yeah, and the best part about that is, did Roger pay $100,000 to be part of this group? Definitely not. No, he found a way to provide value, in which case he was able to attend these events. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, though, too, is like my my mindset was never like, how can I get into that room? Yeah, never. I, I didn't think like that. And I still don't. I, I tell myself genuinely, like, who is this person? What do they do? And if it's something or to some extent that I aspire to be or kind of motivates me, I then think to myself, what value do I bring to them? I don't think to myself, like, let me do content to get into that room. I don't think like that. I think to myself who is this person? What are they doing? And how can my content bring value to them? And then if other things come from it, then that's just a part of like the blessing that I call it, um, where I had no intentions of that master. I had no idea, you know, Dan is someone that I respect and admire so much with what he does and how he does it. Um, and how he, he lives his life. And which is the reason why I'm in California, why I moved here was for him and to just learn from him more. And so when he texted me to come in for that weekend, I had no idea what it was. Zero. I swear. They sent me, like, I'm so chill when it comes to, like, certain people when they tell me to go places. Like, I don't ask questions. Like, these are people that their time is every dollar. And so if they want me to be somewhere, you know, we hash out the quick things, which is compensation, dates, what do you want? But I try to minimize my conversation of just showing up and doing what I need to do. And so he just told me, yeah, it's a three-day weekend of a mastermind. It's going to be fun. I want you to, you know, here's the lead. He has, you know, a head content guy he's been with forever. Um, Dob, who's also amazing. And I'm so thankful to learn from. And he said, this is, you have any questions, tech this person. He's going to be your point of contact. It's going to be a fun weekend. Can't wait to see you. Sure. Great. You know, he sets me someone else. I spoke to someone else about compensation. They sent me over with my plane and hotel. I fly in and then I see the list. I'm like, what is this? Like, what's going on? And as every day passed, I was like, this was it was just insanity, absolute insanity. That's such a surprise. That that's really really cool, and that's another big thing that I like that Rogers says. He realizes where he's at. He realizes where the person hiring him at, and how to cover that gap in regard to, hey, I don't need to make a big deal about this. Um, you want me there? I'm there. Good, easy. You try to make it super simple. Try to get the job done as quick as possible, and move on, yeah. and help them in their way. Roger, this has been awesome. Where, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me across all social media platforms. Roger M. Rojas, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat. And um, yeah, feel free when it comes to, I, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, the greatest thing that I love as I referred to earlier is relationship building and having this social currency. So the fact that you asked me to be on your podcast, I'm grateful for that. And, you know, I'm also grateful for the fact for anyone listening, you know, if you have any questions or any things when it comes to content, just feel free to shoot me a DM. I read every single DM and um, there's not one person that I don't answer. I try to answer. And if I don't know the answer, I'll try to direct you to someone that does. So I'm a big believer in that and kind of networking and helping people out. So if that's ever the moment and same goes to you, man, thank you so much for having me again. And if you need anything in regards to content or marketing, just reach out.
Yeah, this was very awesome. I'm glad we could do this. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.